When I heard that Bill O'Reilly had gotten into hot water by making the clearly false claim that he had heard the gunshot in the death of a JFK assassination-related figure, I knew it could lead to an interesting tale. This interesting tale would not be so much rooted in the fact that Mr. O'Reilly does not adhere to the truth, that's not exactly news, but in the story of that assassination-related figure. The man in question was George de Mornschild, best known to history from the time in 1963 when he was supposedly Lee Harvey Oswald's best friend. De Mornschild's testimony to the Warren Commission was extremely valuable in promoting its contention that young Oswald was a misfit loner with a violent streak. Among the oddities surrounding the shadowy figure of George de Mornschild are the facts that he knew JFK's wife Jackie when she was a girl and George H.W. Bush both when Bush was a student in Andover and later when they were Texas businessmen. We were delighted when we were offered today's guest to discuss George de Mornschild because Joan Mellon has written a book about him and his unsavory activities. Professor Mellon teaches English and creative writing at Temple University and has authored 17 books on a wide range of topics from film criticism to Latin American studies to biographies, including a well-regarded work on Jim Garrison. The work that concerns us today is Professor Mellon's book, Our Man in Haiti, George de Mornschild and the CIA in the Nightmare Republic. I was impressed by its depth of research and am keen to discuss it. And to do that, I'm happy to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Joan Mellon. Thank you, Doug. Pleasure to be here. I have to ask the first question of being, were you at all surprised to hear of Bill O'Reilly making these statements about being in Florida when de Mornschild died and hearing the gunshots when he apparently was in Texas? Well, what surprised me was that Gaten Fonzie, who was the chief investigator for the House Select Committee, was even talking to Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> but Gaten is such a nice, was such a, he died recently, was such a nice man that I guess he talked to anybody. O'Reilly is an unsavory figure. I remember over the years how anybody who went on his show would never get a sentence in. <laughs> and, and here's O'Reilly now. Well, I think finally he's getting his comeuppance because I don't know what his publisher or for well, Fox News, we don't expect the truth from Fox News, but what they're going to do about this because it's just an outright lie. De Mornschild died, in fact, was probably murdered, and we can get to that. And uh, Bill O'Reilly was not outside the door knocking on the door when the gunshot went off. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. It really is. And it sort of reminds us of the Brian Williams story, Hillary Clinton with her emails, and uh, all, all the rest of it. It's uh, a kind of low, low qualification for the truth these days. Very sad. Well, I'm keen to discuss uh, DeMorne Schilt's end and Bill O'Reilly and Gaten Fonzie and Edward Epstein and all that. But before we get there, we have to have to talk about his life, which you have uh, outlined so well in your book. I guess we should go back and review his very odd history uh, before, of course, he met Lee Oswald. He was alleged to be European royalty. He kept marrying rich women, and he was suspected of being an enemy spy in World War II. That just scratches the surface. Well, he was taking photographs at a Coast Guard installation when he was in uh, with his mes Mexican mistress. It's, I don't think he really. Uh, I think this when, when we look at Demornshield, what we see is he. Yes, he was born in Russia. Whether or not he was entitled to call himself a baron or not, I don't know. Demornshield, I don't know. But he came to the United States, and he was a man for sale. 
He worked for French intelligence in the 1940s in the United States. And the thing that it struck me, Doug, I have to say, is when I'm listening to some of the programs like CNN, DeMornshield is described as a bon vivant and a raconteur. <laughs> and what they don't say, and, and what is taboo, forbidden to be said, is that George DeMornshield was a longtime CIA asset. He started working for CIA in 1957. They sent him to Yugoslavia. Ostensibly, he had a master's degree in oil engineering, so he was never any good at finding oil, never. <laughs> but he went there ostensibly to help them find oil fields, and he was in Yugoslavia until they threw him out. Now he was taking photographs. He was obviously a spy. He was doing espionage. He was yeah. drawing installations and so forth. They threw him out. He went on to Ghana. He went on to Hungary and various European countries at, on the same foray for the International Cooperation Administration. In other words, it wasn't CIA direct, but it was a CIA uh, offshoot. And then he came back to Dallas, and he wrote reports to the CIA uh, field office there in Dallas, G. Walton Moore, and those reports are available at the National Archives, so anyone can read them. He wrote the report. That was what he, he was assigned by CIA, and he did his assignment. So here's DeMornshield now, having worked for CIA. Oswald comes back to the United States in 1962, and G. Walton Moore sent DeMornshield to keep an eye on Oswald. He was not his best friend. It's ludicrous, because, for example, DeMornshield was a, sm a snob. And as he rightly said, he married very rich women. They all, nobody could stand him. He was an abuser. He beat up these women. They got rid of him one by one. And uh, he, uh, he would never have befriended a nobody like Lee Harvey Oswald. That's inconceivable. That's really my next question, Joan. I, Jim Garrison, who you, who you knew well, found it uh, some almost hilarious that this middle-aged snob hobnobbing with oil men and anti-communist Russians in Texas would take this supposed misfit Marxist and Soviet defector Lee Oswald under his wing. It, it, is, it is odd, to say the least. Well, there's proof now. I think those records from this field office in Dallas are available. <laughs> there's no doubt about it that he went there with a Colonel Orloff on his first visit. But he, he, you know, he, he cultivated Oswald. They cultivated he and his wife, Jan. They cultivated Marina Oswald. And uh, the Mornshow got a pride out of Oswald, the so-called diary that he wrote on, on the tri uh, ship when he came back from the Soviet Union. And uh, the Mornshow really had the job of looking after Oswald up to April 1963. And then when Oswald, in April 1963, went to New Orleans, and spent this until September, from April to September, he was in New Orleans. Uh, DeMornshield's work was done. And then DeMornshield went on to Haiti. And my book, Our Man in Haiti, describes DeMornshield and then goes into how he went to Haiti to help a Haitian banker named Clamar Joseph Charles to overthrow Duvalier with CIA help. Now, ultimately, CIA didn't give the help. But that was the plan. And DeMorshield was a handler for Clemar Joseph Charles in the same way that he had been for Oswald. When Oswald went to New Orleans in April, he was taken up by Clay Shaw, who was put on trial by Jim Garrison, as we know, uh, in, uh, in early 1969. So, uh, so the, and one of the files, I thought, was one of the best pieces of research was that uh, when uh, there was a file... Uh, in uh, the National Archives, and I mean, correct me if I have this, I don't remember my own book, but it's, it's in my book where the file name, the file jacket 
said, I think it said, George DeMorne show, and the file was filled with information about Clay Shaw. Yes, you did mention that. That's fascinating. And I think that's really interesting, because the two really were interchangeable. Yeah. And it was very interesting. The best find I had after A Farewell to Justice, my book about Garrison, came out, I found this document, which was written by the uh, History Review Group of CIA, and in passing, they say that Clay Shaw, they wrote, it's their, their document, Clay Shaw was a highly paid uh, uh, contract uh, agent for CIA. That was Garrison's contention all along, and uh, I didn't think there was any doubt that everyone knew that George DeMornshield was uh, a CIA. When, when DeMornshield went to Haiti, uh, CIA was very nervous, because while DeMornshield was in Haiti, Kennedy is murdered. And so they're very worried about what, he's, what, he's, what he knows, because what DeMornshield knew was that CIA's relationship with Oswald predated by a long time, years, the assassination of President Kennedy. He was their guy. So uh, when George DeMornshield goes to Haiti, the CIA is watching him every step of the way. And I was able to get the reports that the CIA spy, if you like, uh, uh, wrote about every evening that he spent with George DeMornshield, who was at dinner, what they said. And then James Angleton, for the, the counterintelligence of CIA, they investigated every single person who wrote a letter to George DeMornshield or even a postcard during the time that he was in Haiti. And what they did was they took the names and they sent them to the FBI for investigation. And, and then they, they pretended, they lied, and they pretended that FBI was the one that was investigating these people. FBI was not interested in any of this. It was all CIA. Joan, after, after he sort of admits uh, when he's in Haiti, oh, yeah, I, I, this, this Oswald, yeah, I knew him. He winds up going before the Warren Commission, and I think that, you know, apart from Marina Oswald, the Mornshield has to be their star witness. Uh, he's the guy that suppose, tells them that, yes, I joked with Lee, how did you miss uh, General Walker, a right-wing uh, uh, general in Texas that had had a bullet come through his window, and uh, it was more or less put before the public that, oh, yeah, that was Lee Oswald. Months before the assassination, he tried to kill this general as well, which really did establish Oswald as, uh, you know, in the public's eye, as a violent gunman. Well, that's right. So in a way, uh, DeMortia was still serving the interests of CIA, which was to keep them out of the, any, any, any discussion of whether they had any culpability in the Kennedy assassination. If the public had known that, uh, that Oswald was an FBI informant, which he was, that he worked for U.S. Customs, which I found when I was doing the research in New Orleans, and that he was with CIA and had been with CIA probably when he, certainly I should say, when he was so-called defected. He was a false defector in a CIA counterintelligence program when he went to the Soviet Union. So DeMortia was keeping that scenario and goes to the Warren Commission. It doesn't, you know, of course, he keeps him one of the people who keeps him away from the truth rather than... Uh, sort of helping and he went there they insisted that they bring their dog I think and uh, <laughs> all this and that he get paid because his, user, his wife had the nerve to say that the Warren Commission should pay him his daily fee as if he were really a person who worked he never was very lazy never worked really was just a kind of an intelligence asset doing jobs for CIA and, and if nothing else Joan we should point out to people who are not students of the case that uh, DeMornshield apparently introduced Oswald to Ruth and Michael Payne Ruth Payne was able to later get Oswald a job at the book depository etc uh, and and so I mean if nothing else he even had that role to play in this saga that's right at the end of his life if I can get to that yeah what happened was and uh, sort of 
the last days of his life. He was in Florida, staying at the house of one of the rich relatives of one of his wives, I think. And uh, he was talking to this uh, character, Edward J. Epstein. We can talk about him in a minute. Please do. But anyway, when he got to Florida, DeMornshill called up a person who was a very big source for me in Our Man in Haiti. His name was Joe Dreyer. And he ran, he had a Kenaf plantation. Kenaf is something like jute. You make rope and you make carpets and burlap sacks and all of this. He had done it in Cuba, and then Dreyer went over to Haiti. And he got to know DeMornshield at the time that DeMornshield was in Haiti. So when DeMornshield in the late 70s comes to Florida, the first person he calls is Joe Dreyer. And he says, and Joe Dreyer was a very worldly man, very sophisticated. He was part of U.S. Marine Intelligence. He was very acquainted with all the intelligence services. And DeMornshield calls him up and says, uh, I'd like to, there's something I want to talk about with you. He's a very easy person to talk to, and the Mornshield, and it seemed as if finally the Mornshield was going to tell the truth about what all this had been. Uh-huh. And so he says, "Can we have lunch today?" The very day that the Mornshield calls, Joe says, "No, but how about tomorrow?" I think they, they were supposed to have the lunch the day after the the Mornshield died. So when when the Mornshield died, Dreyer was very suspicious about whether that could possibly have been a suicide because they had this date. And DeMorchild was going to finally talk, and it was important to him. Would he kill himself the day before his lunch with Joe Dreyer? Joe Dreyer then went out and went to the house, and the maid told him that she heard a car drive away right after the gunshot. Yeah. Now, that wasn't Bill O'Reilly. Right. We don't know who that was, but certainly there's certain suspicion about whether or not this was a suicide. One of the other things that we need to throw into this, I didn't mention, is that that very morning, when DeMornshield was shot in the afternoon, that morning, Gaten Fonzie had arrived at the House, and he was representing the House Select Committee on Assassinations, and he left his card for DeMornshield, that, you know, the House Select Committee was now wanting to talk to DeMornshield. So they were closing in from that end, and uh, maybe somebody killed him because they didn't, they, want, they didn't want him to talk. He knew a lot. Well, you made mention of Edward Epstein, and we can't close the saga without saying a few words about him. Edward J. Epstein uh-huh. seems to be a person who was very close to CIA. They had a lot of media assets. And I would argue that he was so close to James Engleton, that who wouldn't talk to any ordinary reporter or writer, that I would conclude that he had some relationship with them. It's pretty well known, I think. He was writing for Reader's Digest, and I go into a long discussion of Reader's Digest in my book, The Great Game in Cuba. And in that book, I describe how Reader's Digest had been associated with CIA since the days of Operation Gladio, which was one of, among the first operations of CIA in the late 1940s. And Reader's Digest always was uh, amenable to whatever CIA wanted to put in the magazine. Well, Joan, we could go on for hours, and I hope in the future we do have you come back and discuss a lot of your interesting works. Uh, But I guess I just want to close by asking, what do you think is the most intriguing thing about this whole DeMornshield story? Well, the fact that DeMornshield should come into the public eye. Whoever, you know, has been forgotten, has been swept under the rug, and now suddenly people are learning how to pronounce his name, George (laughs) DeMornshield, and uh, and asking about him, wondering about him, what was he doing there, why was he... Why was O'Reilly thinking it was such an important thing to have been present at the shooting of George DeMornshield? George DeMornshield must have been an important person for O'Reilly to concoct this lie about him. So this is very useful for the research, (laughs) isn't it, to draw the public's attention to what the government has been trying to 
hide all these years, which is what really happened in the Kennedy assassination. Well, I'm happy to see that Bill O'Reilly has moved sideways and doing something useful. <laughs> not, not of his own volition. Uh, the other side of that is we would hope that maybe he would uh, suffer some consequences for this lying. Brian Williams was banned from NBC and so forth. Well, how about something happening to Bill O'Reilly, who was peddling these lies, and his book about the Kennedy assassination was a bestseller. And I think that people should know, at least, that what they were reading was a fiction and not the truth. We've been speaking with Professor Joan Mellon. Her book, Our Man in Haiti, George DeMornschild and the CIA and the Nightmare Republic, is an excellent read, and we, we can't recommend it highly enough. Dick Gregory said this book is a revelation and a page-turner, and we agree with him on both counts. Joan Mellon, thank you so much for speaking with us, and, and do come again. Thank you, Doug. I'll be glad to. Thank you very much.